0: Blog Talk Radio. Behold.
1: We are the church, the pillar ground of truth, and we're here to study the Word of God systematically on Sunday morning. I do know that the Lord has a word for us and that the Word of God is able to change and establish us and to set us aright. And so today today I invite you to study the Word of God with me, line upon line and precept upon precept. Let's pray and not delay. Let's get back into our uh, final discussion on overcoming theology and what that's all about. Amen. All right, well, Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice in the glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It truly is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make bold and known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit, which gives me A clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. The Father and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do pray and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen and amen again. Praise the Lord. Overcoming ways. It is our goal and objective to serve God more faithfully by knowing him more intimately, to know him more intimately, and in knowing him more intimately, we will be motivated to serve him more faithfully. And overcoming is a mentality that we develop as a result of experiencing the presence of God in full effect of our lives. It is God's power and his effect on our lives that provoke us to think like he thinks, to talk like he talks, to walk like he walks, and live like he lives. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to do it under some type of pattern of thinking, some type of pattern, and uh, uh, some type of mode that keeps us in sync with what we believe that we received and learned and known of him. And that's where overcoming theology awakens. See, I, I, I say this casually, but it is it is true that theology is the logic that we develop as a result of, of of acknowledging who God is in our life. And everybody's theology is different. Everybody should have theology. Some people think that people shouldn't have theology um, because that's reserved for the preacher or that's reserved for someone who is seeking, um, you know, but this is not a seeking. The overcoming in life is not a seek or a friendly message. It's not for those that are set on seeking. And of course, we know that those that seek them absolutely find them, but it's not set to be restricted to those who have been dedicated as far as their secular vocations or the professional vocations as a means to, uh, to develop uh, a relationship with God. So we use two major focus scriptures, one in um one pertaining uh Peter walking on water and the other one uh doubting Thomas, The delusion of his doubt. Uh, because there's nowhere in the scripture that refers to him that but we said uh we we saw that there was another quality of life, um, of belief rather beyond just uh, the proof that we've come to to recognize his belief was belief nonetheless. He had unbelief. He addressed his unbelief by proof, and he and he had the courage to acknowledge that he would not believe unless he saw. And Jesus, of course, elevates him to say, "Blessed are those who don't see yet believe." That can take the word as face value, of course. And in in that connotation, you have to have confidence in the one who is giving the word. So Jesus was was truly elevating thinking um, in that in that teaching as well. But that had nothing to do with doubt. It wasn't doubt um, of him seeking proof that um, that unless he touched the places in inside that he would know that Jesus, because anybody could say, "Well, Jesus rose from the dead." You see, and he needs to you know for himself. And some of us do not do the due diligence to learn for ourselves what God is saying in times like these. And, and and depending on how you, how realistic your approach is, will 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 really determine the reality of that approach, transforming what you believe reality is. We have a lot of people that half-heartedly seek God. Casually, it's okay. they learn just enough scriptures they know enough prayers so that way in a time when they're in a crisis you know um they 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 have enough a little enough to know that they can at least get into heaven. They have eternal insurance, and even though they don't verbally vocalize their passivity and their apprehension they only they only seek enough to believe. To claim belief or to be accepted among them that believe, and you will have to do more than that in order to establish something real and more concrete in your world and in your reality, and that's what the overcoming message confronts. That if you're not experiencing what you what you are professing with your words. Then, then you're, then, then you're, you're, you're praying a mess. You're seeking a mess, and the provisions, the promises, the plans, and the power that God has is limited for you because you're seeking things that you're not experiencing. And we all, I, I've said this before in teaching that every believer needs to experience the supernatural, and they need to have evidence for their faith because it is those two. Uh, and, and of course, you know they need to have enlightenment of the mind. So we talked about how enlightenment in this particular teaching it, it 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 evolves us into the very into the very experiences that we are seeking after by engaging the life and the and the life patterns of the Holy Spirit. That means we have to listen with our heart. We have to locate where the Holy Spirit is uh, lock and linked into the of the sanctification of the word of God in our heart so that we can experience what this was, what does say of the Lord. God has a big picture. He has a big picture. So how do we evolve to this big picture? That's what we answer today. That's what we answer today. How do we evolve to the big picture? At, At some point in our walk with the Lord, we have to have three things take place. We have to have one number one revelation. We have to have revelation, right? And, and number two, we have to have reflection. Actually, right? let's let's switch that. Let's start with reflection, and then lead to revelation, and then go to regeneration. Okay, let's use that as our basis of of unloading the the content of this contextual teaching today. We have to start with a the reflection. Then we have to go to a revelation, and then we'll end up in a regeneration. Because I think, uh, and, and as you hear me talk about regeneration, some of the scriptures that we, we use over and over to exhaust um, uh, chapters. See, one of the things I love about um, about these passages that we're going over, Thomas and Peter walking on water, they all they all challenge us to really, um, really evaluate whether those things that we can claim as faith are really a part of our life practically, prophetically, and also personally. Personally, and that's the that's the that's the that's the the aim of this teaching to say, hey, are you personally achieving what God has depicted in His Word for you as an overcomer? And, and and those areas that, that really indicate whether you've overcome is overcoming the world, overcoming sin, and of, of course overcoming my faith. And, and I'm taking enough time, really. I have one more series that we're going to do before we get into faith, and I think faith will be really emphasized in the coming year um, because of, of, of the prompting of the Lord. And of course, you know, when I teach something, it's usually about three or, three or four years in advance before. Others start teaching on it because of where I met with the Holy Spirit, as far as, as as what He wants me to do, and the assignment He put something recorded so that way when they come to the knowledge of it, they'll have something to to uh, reference as far as a guide to go forward, um, because He placed me in the church to to show the house to the house, you know. So some things I get in advance. About two to three years before, um, some other prophets and things take on to it. Uh, Unless again, when and you can always go back on the broadcast. The one thing about the broadcast and listening to that type of teaching is that you can go back to the study that we taught over the years and literally place. um, Look at the end of the year lesson and see what the emphasis were in the year if you study the word of God like some of us do in a more wealthy and more in depth way. Um you'll see the that you'll see the pattern. Where you'll see that I've taught something in two thousand nine that was the focus of two thousand and twelve. And now you know like the stuff that has been the focus as far as grace and um grace I think was really big this year hyper-grace, you know, people attacking grace and living out your grace and freedom in Christ. Those things were taught in 2013 on this broadcast. Um, some things, that, and I even talked about the attack and the distortions of grace that were really, if we're not secure, we'll mess up people. And um, and, and in this particular teaching, as far as overcoming, overcoming the world and overcoming sin, those two are key areas. Those are two two areas that really uh, awaken us to. that really awakens us to where we're where we're going in the things of the Lord. All right. Now, Peter, of course, uh, in the passage that we studied with Peter, of course, had a had a had a put Jesus in. A, I call it. I don't necessarily mean a rock in a hard place, but didn't affect Jesus at all, but it really affected him. Um, he put, put Jesus in a position where Jesus couldn't say no. He said, if it be you, then you come. It was Jesus. So Jesus would not say no, it wasn't me. He, he, Jesus could have said, yes, it is me, but don't you come out here because you're going to say you ain't ready. But um, nonetheless, uh, Jesus went forward and said, okay, Peter, let's see what, what you got. And Peter did walk a little bit on the water. This was his ability, kind of like the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament. The people wanted to, to go after God, but they wanted to go after God for the wrong reasons, to make a name for themselves. And they wanted to build, and God confused the language. Of course, they built pretty high now. The Tower of Babel was pretty high, according to history. So they, yes, they built, but it only got them so far because it was their project and not God's project. And we don't want to be opposition in our quest to approach God by putting uh, by putting unrealistic expectations on, not necessarily God, or on us. Because the unrealistic expectation really was on Peter trying to convince himself that he was ready to do what Jesus did. He wasn't ready. If he was ready to do what Jesus did, he would not fail. So he had a proper and an improper pers- uh, uh, perception about his own reality. It wasn't the devil that convinced him to walk on the water, it was himself. He thought that because Jesus was doing it, he had a right to do it. And many people, because they see other people doing things and getting away with it, they that because they're doing it, they can do it and it's okay and and it might not be okay for you. Just because of who you are and what God expects of you. But if you base your relationship and your and your 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 philosophy behind what somebody else is doing, then you'll get you'll get lost or messed up in the setup that God has for you. God works individually with us, and and although there's unity in divinity, there's diversity, just as much diversity as there is unity. And and in the scheme of God's big picture, you lie in there. You are in that plane, and you got to find out for yourself why you are in that plane. Peter didn't have any idea. He was just ambitious about engaging into an experience he wasn't qualified for. It wasn't his timing. It wasn't the devil provoking him. It was him. It was his approach to the supernatural. He was so awed and awed about the, the, the ability to walk on water that he really lost sight and perspective to see the relevance of walking on water. What is the purpose? Jesus was walking on water to get to the other side, and for some reason he didn't have access to a boat, and he got so caught up in the spirit about his journey that he walked to the other side. He walked on water. Peter didn't have no director from God, no prompting of the spirit. He just wanted to do what Jesus did. That's not why we, That's why God, God tells us in Hebrews chapter 8 that He will write the laws in our hearts and in our minds, so that we can be a people that understand Him more so. Because that's why the to tells you, and you know, all you're getting, you get what? An understanding. So that when you're not just doing things, saying, "Oh, I'm a Christian," I pray in tongues. Oh, I'm a Christian. I attend church on a regular basis. Oh, I'm a Christian. No, I. I I am a part of of the picture, and God has a plan for me. His plan is prescribed in His in His voice and in His timing. And my quest is not to try to repeat what somebody else has done, but to be in position so that when it's time for me, glory to God. Now, huh? when it's time for me, go to Romans chapter eight. That's where we'll conclude with theology. And then next next week I'm going to deal with something that I think the the body of Christ needs to really hear. Um, it's been a blessing to be able to share some things I, on theology, but I don't think I have ever taught on this type of theology. And there are types of theology. As you go into things of God, of course, you know, right now, What I'm really teaching is systematic theology. You need to develop a a system of your beliefs, evaluate those beliefs on a periodic basis, be disciplined to, to exemplify those beliefs in your daily walk with the Lord. That's systematic theology. Somewhere the Bible has to meet your reality, and it has to connect. And the source of the Bible is God, and you need to connect with God. Right, And there comes a time in your life where there will be other things that will impress upon you that you will use at different times. Now, when it comes to overcoming, what are you overcoming? You're overcoming some form of opposition, right? So I'm going to deal with how theology really, in the next division of teaching, before we get into faith, how theology is set um, for, for the focus of overcoming. And I've entitled it something that I want you to join me next week to find out about. But we're in Romans chapter 8. And I just want to pre- present things that I've read the scripture so many times. <laughs> um, and then we're going to go back to Ephesians 1. Of course, we started in Ephesians one. Remember the source of 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 our evolution and our mental capacity to obtain the knowledge of God is through the exposure of light. The interest of thy word giveth light. The psalmist wrote it. The writer wrote he he says he will give you he will a uh, lead you before he will be a lamp unto thy feet, right? Or and a light unto thy path. Right? Why is that? You need to be able to see something. It is the eye of your understanding which God is most interested in at this point. If He can capture your understanding, you know it will it will it will it will easily uh, adapt to where you should engage as far as recognizing and experiencing the supernatural for your life. And some of you, you're just in the wrong church because. Your church has mastered you being ignorant and has built everything around your spiritual ignorance. You're not engaging the spirit. You're not engaging higher forms of prayer corporately or for any other reason for that matter. And as a result, the enemy is robbing you not only is the enemy, but you are because you're, you're telling yourself, get up, go to a church that doesn't experience the supernatural, that doesn't enlighten your mind, that doesn't engage you into the things of God, hold you to examples to where you can recognize and develop and pattern yourself after the disciplines of faith that they have. And so when that's not in place and your life is jacked up and you go to approach God, you go to approach God defeated. it, because no one's experience in the life of God, and that's because we don't we don't have this in our heart. This eighteen through eighteen through thirty two, which says, "For I reckon that the present sufferings of this present time not willing to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us." Remember, I told you you need to have a ref, reflection revelation, and then regeneration. This is all revealed in, in chapter 8. And, of course, you know, in verse 1, there's no, there's, there is no, there's, now therefore no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So what do I do to emasculate you spiritually? Remember I talked about that last week, emasculating the spirit man, keeping you away from from really going after God to another level. Amen. Glory to God. Right, emasculation, spiritual emasculation, and, and just erroneous teaching, erroneous uh, environment. you got to be cautious of that, alienating you from the life of God. That's what the Scripture tells you that Jesus one. But here it talks about, listen, if you walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh, you won't experience that form of condemnation. And listen, it it, it also awakens you in verse 4 that the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in you who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So, in other words, when you walk in the spirit of God and you allow the spirit of God to envelop your body, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. John says God is the spirit those who worship him must worship it in spirit and in truth. So what do we worship? We worship in God. We worship in who God is, why he exists. In other words, our spiritual living is based on our spiritual leading. Our spiritual leading is based on our scriptural competency. The more we know the word of God, the more we approach God, and the more we approach God, the more we find them. Those that seek them, they find them. It's not a hard methodology, but if you don't reflect on where you are, what you have, what you can do, why you're here, why you exist, you, you see, and there, and there are other questions that go along with that that you can find in those reflections. Then when it comes time, experience, what God has for you, it, it, it'll be hard to connect. And it's a scary thing to be in a community of faith where faith is not working. Paul understood this when he would go to the churches. He would pray that their their faith may be effectual, or their faith may be made perfect, coming to a maturity a completion. And faith gets it right. Faith is, is is set on achieving and experiencing the will of God. It is the evidence of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. By it we obtain the elders obtain a good report. Right? Now so in verse four we we find out that the righteousness of God is fulfilled in us Verse 11, if we are raised up with Jesus from the dead, he dwells in you, that raised up that which dwells in Jesus that raised him from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So what does that quicken mean? Quicken means to be made alive, right? Therefore we are not deafness to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. What does that mean? That means I become so in sync with the Holy Spirit that my own body can't even challenge what my spirit man is doing. I become so engaged and involved in God's big kitchen, and God's big agenda that not even my flesh can stop me. I don't like it will bow at the objectives of God. Which means we need real conversion We need to understand what's real spiritual conduct here We need real control Control over the soul And then we need to be corrected in righteousness And all of these comes as a result of reflecting On the image that we carry What are we carrying? We are carrying the spirit of the living God Within our bodies he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the evolution to this 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 big picture that God has is, is 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 seeing the the scriptures leap off the page and become letters of the spirit to us. The links to 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 what's missing in our lives, the links to to what is causing us not to, to really experience the depth, the weight, and the love which pass knowledge. Right? Now, it says in verse 20 that the creature is made subject to vanity, not willing to be um, but by reason of him who have subject to the same in hope, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So it says, "Listen, listen. The reason why things seem like they're just not working together in the in the creature is because the creature has the same hope. What's the creature? The flesh, and the flesh is awaiting for this re- revelation of this resurrection, this reality. See, this is this is what." we see in Scripture. Love, I love the word revelation. Now we're on the second part. And I have to close. I got three minutes left. I haven't been already finished, but praise the Lord we have more to talk about. I'll be able to highlight in the next division of teaching. In, in the Scripture, when we, we use the term revelation, you you see the word revelation in connotations of of, of open vision, Prophetic utterance or prophetic experience, okay. All hearing around the prophetic. The word prophetic is the voice of God, or or the activities that accompany God's words, right? And in this in this in this realm comes out a knowledge, a wisdom and an understanding. That's revelation in the environment that accompanies the word of God. That's why you will hear the faith teacher say the word of God must become final authority in your life, What which means this. It has to be so set in your heart. That's why the parable of the soil is so important. Parable of the soil, S-O-I-L which Jesus depicted in Mark 6 through Mark 8. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But in my last two minutes, I want you to understand that in, in verses 21 through 28, It reveals our reality based on the place that we have put God's word in our life. That's why it says in verse 22, we've grown for the whole creation, grown as as a in pain until now. Why? Because the word has place. Because a person is not condemned in the flesh because of the place and the priority that they have of being enlightened in the spirit. Right? It says, we're saved by hope, verse 24. But hope is not seen. hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he hope for it? But we hope for what we see not, then do we have patience and wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Why? Because the Spirit contains the revelation, glory to God, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that comes as a result of the word having an atmosphere conducive for God to involve himself in, right? That we should pray as we ought to pray. And the spirit of self-makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The will of God is the word of God, right? We know that all things work together for them that love God and not are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? You're a part of this big picture. You're in the plan. What shall we say, say? If God before us who can be against us. I got to close and of course there's it, so much to say goes into love which, which leads us into regeneration. God has a unique way. Of course, you know, in verses 28 to 30, in that same chapter of chapter 8, let you know you're predestined, which means God had a plan before you even thought of the plan. And do and that, searching out of that predestination, you receive your calling, your justification, and your glorification—all of those are processes in the plans that God has in His big picture, right? But ultimately, yield to the glory of God, which brings weight to the to the to the power and the provisions and the plans and the purposes and the passions that He has for us ultimately it leads to verse thirty seven which which provoked me to overcoming theology which says nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How did we get to that? How did we get to that? The word of God has such a place in our heart that it awakened in us a reality a logic that came only from God by His Spirit in the inner land, that gave us understanding, that gave us enlightenment, that gave us power to achieve the very plans of God. That's what awakened us today. That's what caused us to experience this more than conqueror, this overcoming way we had experienced it through allowing the spirit of God to become our reality. That's what overcoming theology is all about. The hidden man of the heart becoming the head of our reality. Not waiting on some manifestation outside of an inward stability, but that is Inward stability, sparking a flame that quenches a fire that can never run out. You find anything else but the spirit is set to make you free. Somewhere this word has to get you to this conquering place. But it will never get there if you are not connected to the overall plans of God. That's why he has set his love upon us. He loved us so that we could be so connected to his plans And at the core of our being, the core of our heart is his love. It's what links us to the spirit that causes us to move, live, and have our being. His love lifts us through regenerative means. It regenerates us. What does that mean? It sparks us back into the redemptive plan. Which Christ achieved at Calvary When he raised from the dead That spirit came alive In him Just like it comes alive in us And it makes us alive As quick as our mortal body If your theology doesn't lead you To true experiences Then you have an illusion And an ideology Based on an idol Versus the real thing. You have to have a reflection, a revelation. But then somewhere it has to prompt you to experience it. And I love the word regeneration because it prompts you to experience it in your, it prompts you to experience God in your time. Not in anybody else's time but in your time. This is where it all begins. Somewhere we have diluted the quality of life that comes from engaging The proofs and the power And the promise of the Holy Spirit There's no greater message That I can give you in experiencing God's best For your life Than your engagement in the Holy Spirit The Lord The devil The world All know this And this is why they keep you locked in to that world system so much See so if they can control how you speak, think, and act. They ultimately control how you live. Separate you from the knowledge of the word of God, the knowledge of the spirit, and the things that the spirit of God promises, the more power they have over your life. But the devil is alive. You will live and not die. You will live and experience God's love in this lifetime.